Hello and a massive welcome to you all to the first Yumi and IP podcast brought to you by Northers Media PR and Marketing Limited. We are the publishers of the Global IP Matrix magazine and the Women's IP World Annual. I'm your host, Carlos Northern. I'm the founder and CEO of Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited, based out of London, United Kingdom. We're delighted to introduce our first guest to the show, Ms. Sarah Norco Anku. Sarah is an astute legal practitioner, intellectual property expert, lecturer, and public speaker with decades of experience covering intellectual property law, in particular patents, trademarks, industrial design, and IP asset management. She is currently the senior partner and intellectual property consultant at one of the leading law firms in Ghana, Anku Anku at Law. Hello and welcome to the show, Miss Anku. Thank you. Hello, Carlos. I'm honored to be here with you today. Oh, you're welcome. It's our pleasure to have you on the show. Okay, let's get right into it, Miss Anku. Um, how did you start in the world of intellectual property law and how and when did you form Anku Anku at Law? My background actually is in biological sciences. I started off my career as a scientist. I interned uh, with food companies and I worked with a research institution for a year Mm -hmm. as a research assistant in aquatic biology. And uh, after some time, I found the work to be a bit boring. (laughs) Sorry, but uh, I I moved on to the Food and Drugs Authority Mm -hmm. of Ghana. And that was where I had my introduction to IP indirectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we had to deal with counterfeits, certification marks, parallel imports, and uh, a water view. Basically, my work over there was to ensure the safety of the consumer, the health and safety of the consumer. And that involved looking at uh, products, examining products, the labels of products, ensure that there is no deception as to certification marks that are on the products uh-huh. um, as to uh, the labeling uh, should not be confusingly similar and all that the way certain areas we looked out for and then when it came to counterfeit we had to make sure that uh, in our post-market surveillance we wouldn't have we shouldn't see counterfeits on the shelves if we find counterfeits we had to bring down the counterfeits we had to also ensure that at the border at the borders uh, there are no uh, products that are not compliant with the laws of of ghana and that includes these counterfeit products so basically uh, this introduction was more of enforcement of ip and then in the course of uh, working with Food and Drugs Authority, I decided, I got interested in the legal aspect, the law aspect of it. So I read law and uh, I took up intellectual property as an elective. And uh, from then on, I was posted to write from the law school. I had wanted to go back to the Food and Drugs Board, but then the then minister, um, advised me to work with the IP office because she said my IP, my science background could be very useful at the IP office. Yeah, that makes sense. So, <laughs> so of course, I was, I went there and within a year, I was given a, a scholarship to read a master's in intellectual property. I took that up and subsequently also took my LLN in alternative dispute resolution. And that uh, that combination really helped me in my public service and now even in private 
practice. Mm -hmm. So working working with the IP office, um, I got the opportunity to help to establish. In fact, I took that project on as a, as a way of uh, giving back to society for the um, education and the experience I'd gained from my master's level and mm -hmm. uh, realizing that the IP office had only a desk as a, as a patent, uh, uh, you know, desk or unit for providing patent services with the uh, patent documents scattered all over. Having been educated in IP into detail, I realized the real value of what we had in the office. So okay. I actually approached my um, deputy registrar who facilitated or helped me to really set up that patent office into a fully fledged patent office and uh, a records room attached to it. And in so doing, we also, I had to I got a team together and we had to put together a compilation of all the industrial property laws of Ghana to facilitate our work. And oh, also amazing. I had to develop this manual uh, for administrative purposes, uh, ad, kind of administrative guidelines to help us in uh, our uh, patent services to our clients. But in doing all these things, I realized that um, those I had in mind were not actually benefiting from it. I had the locals in mind. I had the researchers in mind, the individuals, the SMEs. I had all these locals in mind, and yet we had very few applications from the locals. So it was at that point that I thought I could establish uh, an IP firm to provide advisory services to these uh, locals that I had in mind so that they could benefit from the IP system uh, that we had. I mean, uh, at least apply for protection for their IPs and so on and so forth and also exploit. So I established this uh, firm called IP Solutions and basically advising individuals and SMEs and what have you, and also helping them to draft their patents, to do their searches. But I realized that trying to solve one problem could not really, you, I, I left a gap also behind me. So I thought that I was going to then um, suspend the work at IP Solutions, and then focus more on my um, work at the IP office. So I left IP Solutions and went back to my um, IP work at the IP office just to make sure that I contribute to uh, a more robust system in the IP office. And uh, so basically that's what happened. And I think I don't have regrets doing that because uh, going back there, I had the opportunity of being involved in international uh, negotiations, international norm settings, attending meetings with a regional IP office as the Aripo African Regional Intellectual Property Organization. I had the opportunity of uh, working, uh, being in meetings at the World Intellectual Property Organization uh, to the extent that I was even um, the first vice chair, 
spokesperson for the Standing Committee on the Law of Patents, I think for the 18th and the 19th sessions of the yeah, of that uh, Standing Committee on the Law of Patents. Okay. So it, it gave me all these experiences that um, now I think it's I'm really benefiting from. So having worked with the IP office for so long, for about a decade, I decided then that it was time to move on to now focus on those that I really wanted uh, to help. I wanted to help them to benefit from the system. So I went back to my IP uh, practice. I had then left it with my partner who then changed the name to Anku.anku at law, but they focus more on other areas of law. They build a, a very good reputation for the firm, but in areas like, um, uh, debt recovery, uh, legal regulatory compliance, investment, they were into mining law and environmental law, and a whole other, I mean, land and property uh, law and all at commercial litigation and contract and what have you. So, but what was really lacking was uh, the IP aspect of it. It was very, very slow. So I picked that one up. And uh, fortunately, within uh, a year, we got the that uh, Singapore award as the IPR litigation company. Fifty, the fifty IPR litigation company award or something like that, in in twenty twenty nineteen. So uh, that has been my my journey in this IP field, and now I I I, I teach I I teach IP as well. So basically, that's how I entered IP, and that's how come uh, and how I started Anko.anko uh, at law. It sounds like you've taken a lot of inspiration from your past to to get you where you are today. Were there any challenges you faced uh, when you were setting up your own practice, and were there any others involved when you launched Anko Anko at law? Yes, when I I did have challenges when I started. Um, because then, of course, it was a, just a startup, and uh, usually there are all these challenges with startups. I had issues with regulatory compliance. I had, uh, and I also had very few clients. Of course. And uh, I, of course, started with a few uh, of my colleagues. We were we were five in number, but my partner was not part of us then. Um, the five of us, we actually focused on only IP, but it is. Uh, it was when I decided to leave IP Solutions that I had to hand over to my partner, who was not really um, interested in the IP aspect. He did a bit of it, but he didn't. He didn't really focus too much on it. But it's all well and good because then he got to expand the firm even more and um so when i picked it was when i picked it up again in 2018 that um of course that also had its own challenges because then i keep telling people that because i had worked in the ip office for so long big clients were used to ha having receiving um legal services or advice for free because as as a government worker i provided my services for free to the public well to their like, mind like, like legal aid yes like legal aid to them 
But as a private practitioner, people, they were not too used to coming to seek for advice and pay for it. So that was also another, another challenge just to transition from being a public servant to um, uh, uh, what do you call it, a private practitioner. But it, 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 it picked up with time and uh, we have even, I was able to introduce some new uh, services um, again to assist people to use the IP system a bit more. We have this current project, we call it the patent assist, just to um, try to promote patenting in, in Africa. We provide this uh, patent services, drafting and so on and so forth. Okay. So um, yes, when we started, we were five way back in 2012, but uh, three of my members left, my colleagues left after I, also, I left. So I had one faithful one, and another who kept going back and forth. But now we have formed new teams. We have formed new teams, especially the Patent Assist Project has a whole lot of, quite a number of them, uh, searchers and, and drafters in there. And then we have teams for uh, trademarks, uh, industrial designs and copyright as well. And fortunately we have an office in Nigeria also. So it's been quite an interesting uh, journey and it's, it's, been, it's been fun as well. Who would be the typical client or business that would require Anku's uh, services inside or outside the industry? And uh, what services is Anku, Anku at Law renowned for, Miss Anku? So um, outside uh, the patent services, we have, uh, we provide general um, legal services to our clients. We have a wide range of clients from individuals through SMEs to large businesses, state institutions, universities, and other organizations. Uh, what we do is to uh, provide a comprehensive legal service to our, our clients. So apart from IP registration, maintenance, and enforcement, uh, we provide uh, other business-related uh, legal services, such as uh, relating to investments and competition law, uh, legal regulatory compliance, debt recovery, commercial contracts and litigations, labor and land property, etc. Uh -huh. So the, uh, we also try to cover a wide geographical area, uh, but limited to Africa. And we're able to do this through uh, affiliates. As I mentioned earlier on, we have an office in Nigeria, but, and then we have affiliates, committed affiliates across the continent. So to be able to provide this wide, wide geographical area service, legal services to our clients, um, we take instructions, one instructions from our clients, the client pays to us, and then we instruct the other our affiliates. So it makes it easier for our client to deal with uh, various markets on the African African continent, and we try to make our services affordable as possible. And because we are not such a huge uh, law firm, we are able to commit to our clients and pay particular attention to their needs and provide, we even provide labor, labor law services to our clients. Anything, we try to provide as comprehensive legal services as possible for our clients. 
as you know, Ms. Anku, the COVID pandemic has had an impact on many businesses all over the world uh, negatively um, and some in positive ways. Um, has it had an impact on the way your business has run and what challenges have you faced uh, uh, during these times? And have you implemented uh, any new strategy to ride the wave, so to speak, as it has been a challenging time for us all? Yes, yeah, so of course, the pandemic, the COVID pandemic has then has had its impact on our business. Um, the most obvious one is the financial implications where uh, staff are not working the full hours and yet you need to pay for them. Uh-huh. Uh, you have to pay their, their salaries. You have to, meanwhile, clients um, were a bit slow in the giving instructions because some of them... Uh, to some extent wanted to slow down on their own businesses just to cater for the shocks, the shock Mm -hmm. of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And some had to redraw some of their requests. So it was, it was a bit chaotic. And uh, so we had to re-strategize to meet the, to meet the situation, to be able to handle the situation as it came. So technology came in hand. We had to um, rely more on um, online um, services as in meeting our clients on Zoom, meeting our staff on Zoom. We had to use other uh, technology. In fact, we had to rely mainly on technology to do most of our work because in Ghana here, we had a lockdown for some couple of weeks after which... um, it wasn't really, it, we couldn't really practice fully because um, the IP office also uh, shut down for some time. Yeah, and sure. um, honestly, I still cannot tell their pattern of operation now because there are times that uh, you are told that some of them are working from, you know, working online, others are in your office. Sometimes you you visit the office and um, you are told they have closed and all that. So <laughs> exactly, it's yeah. been it's been very 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 challenging. But I think I think we are all settling in somehow. When you are faced with a challenge, you are forced to find solutions to the challenge. So for us, we have found a way around this face to face meetings, face trying to connect with people. If you have to. Um, to physically co- trying to physically connect with people more to uh, distance relations online uh, relations but there are certain provi- there are certain services that you cannot do without physical meetings as such as going to court having to appear before the judge in certain cases we've also had issues with long agenda because the judges have had to spread out their cases they are not taking the bulky cases that they used to take in a day so each cases were being given long adjournments and we had to cope with it and try to explain to our clients. So in all these, we were able to come along with our clients. Our clients understood the situation. We also understood our clients. So it was uh, a mutual kind of relationship and we all hanged in there, believing that there's some light at the end of the tunnel. And I would say that it is getting, it's, it's better now. Things are trying to fall in place gradually 
it is we are no longer as confused as we were at the beginning uh, things are yeah so um basically i think we are we are we are getting there and now we have a, a lot more physical interaction physical meetings within the offices and then uh, we also uh, attend court a bit more frequently so we believe uh, things will get better and uh, whoever is getting losing hope now i would encourage the person to just hang in there and uh, just uh, find a i mean little little just little little efforts to get around it also helps just um just try to uh, make the best out of the of 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 the of the situation what is the secret to having a successful practice in this competitive industry i would say that uh, treating your clients well when you treat your clients well they spread the word and you receive a lot more commendations and clients a lot more clients follow you give them a satisfactory or excellent um, service and they are always satisfied and they will always want to come back. Secondly, I would say that uh, we have a niche market in, on the African continent. It's, it's not been easy. It's not an easy terrain to operate where, for instance, in the, in the more developed world, you have more structured um, systems and that makes the practice a bit more easier and predictable. But in this part of the world, the systems are, uh, are not too structured and uh, um, you cannot, uh, the terrain is very rough, I would say. But we have, uh, what we have done, of course, is to open a branch in Nigeria and to form uh, relationships with other law firms across the continent. And then we have also we are registered we are registered agents of uh, Aripo, and also the Ghana IP office, and then the Nigeria IP office. So we say that the wide geographical area uh, and the comprehensive legal services that we provide also goes to satisfy our clients uh, to to some extent and. I am. I would say that we are fortunate in have to have committed staff, very very committed staff. They work and work and work for long hours without making too many demands. So uh, I would say we are blessed in that way. And uh, I would also say that we we love our job. So we all commit. We all commit to it. And uh, what we want to see is uh, the customers' satisfaction, and that brings joy. So I would briefly say that apart from all oh, cause the hard work, the determination and so on and so forth, trying to ultimately satisfy your clients and just giving good services, great services to your clients is very rewarding. And I think that has been my trick, yeah. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Um, you've written a series of articles in the Global IP Matrix magazine that have obviously been very well received and you know um, that we're introducing a new segment in the next issue entitled Empowering, Empowering the Future of IP in Africa. What can we expect from you in your next installment in our publication um, around this new segment? 
Yes, uh, first of all, thank you very much uh, for the opportunity to be publishing in, in, in your magazines. And I thank your readers, your readers for receiving my work. So uh, this empowering the future of IP in Africa, I think it is very interesting and timeless. Timeless in the sense that uh, we now have this African continental free trade area being operationalized. I think it became operationalized in, on the 1st of January, 2021. We have free movement of goods and services and, and that would need that needs some safeguards to prevent blatant infringement. And uh, this time around, we have a huge market. And so we're a huge market of over 1.2 billion people. And infringement in such a market uh, cannot be easily overlooked. In the past, we had we've had this fragmented countries uh, markets. Uh, for instance, Ghana will be boast will boast of about 30, 33 million people, and then you have smaller markets all over scattered. You have the giants as Nigeria and South Africa and so on. But then now with their borders, with this free movement of goods and services, you are talking about a, a wider, a wider 1.2 billion market that cannot be ignored. Infringement issues are going to be taken seriously. And uh in um I would say that. My my next uh, my contribution to this topic will basically focus on these aspects. I would look at this the, the impact of this I this free trade area and uh, its impact on the on the IP systems and uh, enforcements that we have so far. I can see it uh, to be quite challenging come going forward. And it should be an area that uh, probably researchers could could pay particular attention. I think I'll, I'll I'll look at that, looking at enforcement of IP in this kind of uh, uh, big, uh, huge uh, market. You mentioned in your latest uh, article in the Global IP Matrix magazine that the Ghanaian laws are pro removal for non-use trademarks, yet there are about twenty percent dormant trademarks on record. Are there any policy initiatives to address this seeming challenge? Not a policy uh, document or initiative per se, but a high court decision that will guide such transactions as a precedent. Uh, we are currently at the early stages of a suit against the Registrar of Trademarks in Ghana, uh, which will guide all parties going forward and address any gaps regarding trademarks use renewal and uh, removal from the trademarks register. And I think I will, I'll be glad to share a commentary on that when that decision is made. I believe that will clarify um, the issues going forward. Given the current trends, how do you assess the future of IP in Africa? The pandemic has uh, also been a blessing in disguise to some extent. It has created more awareness uh, to the creativity of the African mind we are we are seeing innovations in te digital uh, technologies agriculture and retailing in the form of e-commerce mobile money transactions in Ghana there was there's a boost in that area uh, we the 
Bank of Ghana reported 500 million Ghana cities uh, transactions in 2020 alone. Uh, there's a boost in the Ghana stock exchange in the last month. Um, of course, the AFCFTA has also started uh, operations since January, 1st January this year. Um, that's, that's opening a market of 1.2 billion people and a GDP of over 3 trillion USD, I think. And uh, so with all these new these new trends we i foresee an interesting i foresee interesting times ahead in uh, ip law and practice okay. i expect to see attempts at harmonizing the ip laws of africa uh, which will create some challenges at the beginning of course um i also think that I also think that there will be more uh, IP applications from both locals and international businesses and probably an enhanced enforcement of IPRs and attempts to keep counterfeiting. I also expect to see a shift from the current rough IP terrain in Africa to a more friendly and organized system probably within the next decade. That that will be that will be I think that should be achievable. So before we end the show, I wanted to move on to a bit about our relationship, Miss Anku. Um, we've known each other for a couple of years now, and we've had the pleasure of you gracing our publication with your presence. Um, you've obviously been prolific uh, in contributing uh, to the Global IP Matrix magazine as well as the Women's IP World Annual, which we are very thankful for. Um, how and uh, why is it important for you to share your wealth of knowledge and experience through contributing editorial pieces in publications like ours? I can simply say that the more knowledge is shared on, uh, as some people would describe it, a very heavy and unfriendly subject like IP, the more awareness is created, the more people appreciate their rights less innocent infringements, a more involved society, more business for us players in the field, more wealth creations for individuals and communities, and a better life for all of us, I think. I think. Amazing. And we hope to continue working with you for many years to come, Miss Anku. So that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you to my guest, Miss Sarah Norko Anku, for taking the time out to speak with me today. We hope that you've enjoyed this first You, Me and IP podcast brought to you by myself, Carlos Northen, on behalf of Northen's Media, PR and Marketing Limited, and the Global IP Matrix magazine. Until next time, take care. Thank you so much, Carlos, for the opportunity. I'm really grateful.